Okay, well, I'm not sure how much time I'm going to be able to take. I wasn't planning. I was planning on giving some of the time maybe to the other guy, but I guess we'll fill the singing instead. Uh, really enjoyed that selection, Timothy, that you picked. Uh, Master of the Tempest is raging. Uh, couldn't be more real for me at the moment. Uh, if you look down inside me, this probably looked like a machine about to come apart and Part's about to come outside, but we'll trust God to lead. Uh, anyway, I didn't really have much to share, uh, but so I figured I'd share on some things that God's been teaching me recently, and uh, some things that I've been learning and uh, uh, been going deeper in my own life and walk with God and. Like I said, I'm not sure if I'll fill my 20 minutes, but uh, we'll see. If I was in my comfort zone, out in the field, working or something, you'd probably hear 20, a two-hour version of it. But I guess we'll we'll give what it, we'll give what it, what we got here. Anyway, what I what I've been learning uh, is trusting God, listening to learning to listen to His voice, and to <clears throat> discern that from my own uh, thought processes and uh, learning to hear what voices inside me are from God or which ones are just biased ones that Satan would tempt me with. And uh, anyway, what I was learning, before we can hear God's voice directing us, we need to be totally dead to ourselves and raised up a new man. I mean, and a lot of that would happen for the first time at salvation when we're born again. And uh, it's going to continue to happen. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times. He's going to get back up seven times. And Paul says he dies daily. So it's a, re, it's a continuing thing in our lives, or it should be. And uh, until we get to that point, God can't use us, or we can't expect to hear him clearly in what he wants us to do or where he wants us to go if we're biased on how we think and if it goes through a dirty filter or a funnel into our lives. We need to be totally clear with nothing between us and God before we can clearly hear Him. And then we need to be also open-minded to other people in our lives, godly people, strong Christians, and be willing to ask for advice and be open and seriously consider the different thought processes they have and different advice they have. And the Bible says, forsake not assembling of yourselves together. And I believe that's where church can come in. We can influence one another in the way of God and study the Bible together. And I think that's a good thing. And in the Bible, that's what the Berean Christians did uh, there. <clears throat> anyway, so I've been reading some in First Samuel and about Saul and David. And there are two differences. I mean, they're two totally different people. And there for a time, they're both anointed king. The one God had rejected and the other one God had accepted. And was just waiting for God to rid 
the other one. David was waiting for God to remove Saul, even though he could have himself. Um, Anyway, Saul lost communication with God because he didn't trust God's timing and made his own moves out of God's timing. And we'll read about some of that in 1 Samuel 13, 8, where the loss of communication started and what Saul did to uh, bring that about. So 1 Samuel 13, 8 to 14. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, Bring hither a burnt offering to me, and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him, that he might salute him. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered. This is where Saul went badly wrong. I saw that the people were scattered with me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore I said, Therefore said I, the Philistines will come down upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever, but now thy kingdom shall not continue The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. So our loss of communication with God can start with us jumping ahead of God. God might give us a certain time frame to abide by, or to that He's going to He's going to say soon I will do this in your life. If God doesn't do that in our life, as soon as we may think it should be done, and we move forward with something that is out of his timing, we've severed our communication with God at that point. Just as Saul did. He got impatient, made moves on his own, and didn't wait on God. That is one one way we can lose communication with God. And later on, Saul gets tested in his listening to God and obeying God. After this, God gave him a second chance to to try to uh, repent himself. In 1 Samuel 15, we read about this in verse 1. Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel, now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid in wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite the Amalekite, smite 
Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telium, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul smote the Amalekites from whatever, until thou comest to Shur that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, and this is where Saul went wrong here. He should have killed Agag the king. Instead, he took him alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. So he, he did kind of what was right. He obeyed God, sort of. And, but Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refused that they utterly that they destroyed utterly. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel that he cried unto the Lord all night. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up. He set him up a place and has gone about and passed on and gone to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul began, said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What meaneth this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Malachites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. And see, Saul's just getting himself into a deeper hole here. He's passing the blame off onto the people. He's not taking responsibility for his own actions and uh, owning up to his own bad. Um, then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said unto me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners of the Amalekites and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore, then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil and didst evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way in which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of, the Malach, of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Malachites. But the people took of the spoil sheep and auction, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord they God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord... Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is of the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king.
So Saul is beginning to lose his kingdom because he failed to listen to the voice of God and to obey. His mind was set on carnal things and on, uh, not sure what he's going to do with agaggers. But with all the sheep, all the oxen and stuff, he saw riches there. He had his mind on carnal things and not on what God was uh, trying to speak to him through Samuel. And we can kind of get that way too if we have our mind set on, on the excitement, all the thrills of this life and of the world. And, uh, and uh, maybe our job, get too tangled up in our job, we can't hear the voice of God. And then when trouble, com- trouble comes to us and then we go to ask the voice of God, God's not going to uh, listen to us. And we read about Saul doing that in 1 Samuel 28. Saul seeks answers from a witch. In 1 Samuel 28, there's a couple. We read a little bit of that account there. Um, 1 Samuel 28, 5 and 7 through 7. And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was greatly... He was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, or by the prophets. Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. Then in 1 Samuel 28:15, uh, Saul seeing visions from the woman and comes to the realization of what happened to his hearing God's voice and why. I think this is where Saul came to the realization where he screwed up and uh, where he went wrong. And Samuel said unto Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? Now, Samuel's dead at this point, but the witch at Endor bring, brought him back. I'm not sure how all that worked. It sounded a little bit dirty to me. But anyway, Saul was either hallucinating or seeing visions here or something. Anyway, he came to the realization of this somehow. And Samuel said unto Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God is departed from me and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams, Therefore I have called thee, that thou mayest make known to me what I shall do. Then Samuel, then said Samuel, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord is departed from thee, and is become thine enemy? And the Lord hath done to him as he spake by me, for the Lord hath rent the kingdom from out of thy hand, and given to thy neighbor, even to David. Because thou obeyed not the voice of the Lord, nor Cuts executed his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee unto the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow thou, thou and thy sons be with thee. The Lord also shall deliver the hosts of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. <clears throat> So Saul lost his kingdom, lost his sons, 
and his ego that he protected so much trying to keep it from passing on to David, he lost everything in trying to save it. And all because he didn't listen to the voice of God. So what do we do when we hear God's voice? When we hear God's voice, we'll go, go over to look at David in his uh, in the same time frame. We'll look at David and David spares Saul's life because he was anointed. God, he believed David believed that Saul was anointed of God and it wasn't his place to undo that. So we'll look at first Samuel 24, 7, uh, 24, 4 through 7. Um, and the men of David said unto him, Behold the day which the Lord hath said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do good, mayest do to him. I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good to, unto thee. Then David rose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him, and because he because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of God. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went his way. So David, if he didn't have his... If he wasn't living a quiet, humble life, sensitive to the voice of God, he would not have heard uh, God's voice telling him not to uh, not to kill Saul. But instead, he listened to the voice of God, listened to his conscience, and spared Saul's life. There's no telling what would have happened if David would have taken Saul's life. He had every right to do that. And after all, David knew that he was already anointed king and Saul was rejected. I mean, he could have made every sense in the world in his human mind to uh, follow through and kill Saul. He had every opportunity. He could have thought about it. God gave me this opportunity. He's sleeping here. We can make short work of this in a hurry. He could have believed that God set him there. But he listened to the voice. There wasn't a, his... Uh, the external, internal. We'll look at that a little bit, in the, a little bit later. The external uh, guiding or directives gave him prime opportunity to kill Saul, but David's inner spirit, that was clearly from God, was not at peace with that. So he and he followed that. And David's willingness to listen and follow God's voice and not take things into his own hands prevented him from killing Saul. David was willing to, to wait patiently for God to work things out in his timing in that area because he knew he was going to be king eventually if he lived. David also praised God in the dark valleys which he was in when running from Saul. And we have a lot of the Psalms were written uh, during those times, like Psalm 54, Psalm 56, uh, and many others. And we'll read a little bit in Psalm 57 when David, that David wrote while he was in the cave with Saul. And he was in the dark 
dark valley there uh, in his life. So Psalm 57, read a little bit there. Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. I will cry unto God, most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions, and I lie even among them that are set on fire. Even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Wake up, my glory. Wake, psaltery and heart. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O God, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. And a lot of times, God, in those dark valleys, God, that's the time when God is speaking to us the most, and it will... uh, It will mean the most to us and we will feel God's closeness there and we will hear his voice like David did. And we need one thing we need to realize David didn't did not know if he'd make the next day. He only trusted God to carry him from day to day. He lived by faith that he would be king later on and that God would spare his life. So in First Chronicles thirteen and four, uh, one thirteen and fourteen, I think I didn't write that down. Skip that. I didn't write. I can't remember what chapter that was. Anyway, David became king. David became king, and he didn't have the guilt of killing Saul hanging over him at that point when he eventually became king, because God had killed Saul and turned the kingdom over to David in His timing. I mean, I've been in thinking about that. I thought, well. It'd be kind of interesting to see what would have happened. You know, see the other picture if Saul, if David would have taken the chance and killed Saul in that cave. What would have happened to David's life? What would his life have looked like uh, in the future? But anyway, so how can I apply this to my life? And having a feeling of peace alone about something isn't proof God is leading either I'm human and my ways 
aren't God's ways, and we're supposed to lay those things down and let God lead, God will stretch our comfort zones. And our if we just just because we feel everybody's leading us in one way, leading me in one way, just because we don't feel comfortable about something, or maybe if we do feel comfortable about something, but we're feeling led of God not to uh, through other ways uh, not to do something or to do something uh, that alone cannot be our judging God's voice because the devil can use those things too to to confuse us and if we're not having that uh, strong connection with God we're not going to be able to see or discern those feelings um, in Luke 22:41, uh, Jesus was inquiring the will of God um, in the garden. He didn't feel peace at peace with going to the cross, and he even he went to the point of seeing, of pleading with God in Luke 22:41. He He says, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast from them and kneeling down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou would be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, not not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared unto him an angel from heaven, strengthening him and being in agony. He prayed more earnestly and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So Jesus didn't have peace in his heart about going to the cross. He was begging God, if there's some other way to do this, he would he would rather do that. But not my will, but thine be done. And we can have a peace in times like that. We can have a peace in our heart that even though we don't feel that a certain way would be a easier way to take or we would have peace about something I'll tell you one thing I didn't have peace about coming up here this morning um, but I felt that's where God led where God wanted me to be and this is what God wanted me to share so and in doing that we can have the joy of obedience after doing as we're asked of God and in that sense we will have peace God speaks to us in many ways. One, time spent in prayer and fasting and reading the Bible. Seek the counsel of others who take their Christian walk seriously and are unbiased in their views. You can see that they're 100% dedicated to uh, Christ and to their His service. And, and let God be sensitive to to his spirit. We need to let God we need to be sensitive to God's spirit and always be 100% free of personal feelings or thought processes. We can't uh, if we have a little just a little bit of dirt in our cup, it's going to contaminate it and it's not going to be God's will. It's going to be uh, manipulated by our human understanding. That's where uh, seeking counsel of other believers talking it over with somebody, uh, 
in the church that you trust, um, and things like that. And just just waiting on God, just waiting on God, He'll lead you in that way. Uh, must have skipped over that. Anyway, God has a general will with general will. He has a general uh, desire for our lives that we have to live with principles that we have to live by. Such as, I mean, just anything that's in the Bible, the way we we live our lives and stuff. Not everybody's going to have a life the same. And God's leading will be slightly different from person to person, depending on our history and walk and uh, where we our backgrounds. <clears throat> it's going to be different deep, uh, from person to person, but it's all going to be based on principles found in the Bible and uh, uh, advice from other believers and all of those things working in sync to lead us to what he what God's will is for our lives such as an occupation where we work missions where we go on the mission field marriage details in our homes and how they operate etc uh, what kind of furnishings we do for the church that all comes in as a principle God's principles in his word and in the body of Christ and all those things need to follow the principles in the Bible, or it is not God's leading. The Bible is God's infallible word and does not, doesn't contradict anything. If it's if you're feeling a voice from God, and then you read in the Bible something that doesn't quite line up, you can about guarantee you your feelings are probably not what it, what you're sensing peace or not peace in your heart about something. It's probably not from God if it contradicts something in the Bible. And before making a decision like that, discuss that, talk about it over with uh, another believer and see if you're interpreting the Scripture properly. The inner spirit directing. In Acts 10, 19, and 20, the Holy Spirit tells Peter the will of God when he goes to... uh, talk to Cornelius and with all the I think it was Cornelius um, we'll just turn there Acts 10 19 and 20 while Peter thought on the vision the spirit said unto him behold three men seek thee arise therefore and get thee down and go with them doubting nothing for I have sent them then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? And that was that's an example of the inner spirit directing Peter. And he kind of questioned that because he was uh, a Jew, obviously, and he had the sheet of all the dirty animals coming from the sky, and he was comparing that what he was feeling in his spirit to uh, what he was seeing in the vision. And he saw a contradiction there. But God showed him, gave him this sign and, and told Peter that there would be people waiting for him. And I think that's where God, where Peter finally saw that he 
that that was God directing him and with things coming about afterwards. And he kind of he took it as a, in a step of faith. He didn't feel he probably felt a little bit confused. I mean, he just woke up and he was seeing these dreams and visions and having these things happening. Peter's probably wondering what in the world's going on here. And he took a step of faith. And sometimes that's all we need to do is take a step of faith and God will lead us in those steps. And as it keeps going, we'll have peace about each step we take. And and the Holy Spirit speaks through inner pressure in our spirit. The pressure increases as we wait on God in prayer. If we wait on God, the pressure is going to keep getting greater to push us more in that direction. If we're truly seeking God in fervent prayer and fasting, He will lead us in that way. And we will know the will of God. Satan, on the other hand, Satan typically wants us to make moves quickly without waiting on God. And typically, if you feel an urge to just quickly move into something and get it over with, or you know, like a major decision, just quick take the job before somebody else gets it, or go to the mission field because you don't want somebody else to take your position or take your spot there. That seems great and wonderful. Uh, just wait on God. It'll be there for you when God wants you to go. Some external ways God directs the teaching of the Bible, reading it, your devotions, teaching in the church, the witness of circumstances, the advice of other believers. And if we accurately discern the will of God, the inner and external directing, directings will be in sync. Always. It never contradicts. And I, Jeremy, let me read, let me borrow this book, Finding God's Will. I've read through it, and I would highly encourage anyone uh, interested in uh, finding the will of God or listening to his voice, which I would hope all of us would be. Anyway, I found this book very good. And anyway, I'll just read some of the summaries behind each chapter. If we want to find God's will, we must first fulfill the following conditions. We must believe that God will reveal his will to us. Such faith will be characterized by earnest desire and patience. We should be willing to wait for God's time. We must distrust our own cleverness and humbly lean upon God. We do not have to discard our intellectual abilities, but our confidence must be in God and not in ourselves. We must be willing to do God's will in every area of our lives and not in just a few. We must be obedient to the light God has already given us and should keep our consciences clean always. We must yield ourselves without reserve to God and be willing to accept anything he chooses for us. We must walk with God daily, listening to what he has to say. We must allow him thus to renew our minds and deliver us from worldly thought processes. God rarely guides us in spectacular ways. In this New Testament age, God guides us through the Holy Spirit, so we must seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through an internal pressure in our spirits. This pressure increases. This is where I got that. This pressure increases as we wait on God in prayer and will be accompanied by a growing inward peace. To distinguish the voice of the Spirit from from other voices, we should examine our motives and see that they are pure. 
a balance sheet to evaluate the advantages and disadvantages of a proposed course of action can be helpful in enabling us to find God's will. We must place great value on the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, for this is God's chief means of guidance in our day. God expects us to be, over, to be governed by this in our daily lives and not merely by a moral code. The Holy Spirit guides us through the teaching of the Bible when we are seeking his guidance. In many areas, the Bible has already revealed what God's will is. God may confirm his guidance through a passage in our daily Bible reading, but this should never be made the sole basis for guidance in any manner. matter. The Holy Spirit often speaks to us through the witness of circumstances. God can use circumstances either to confirm the guidance we have received to prevent our taking the wrong, a wrong step. But Satan, too, can order our circumstances to some extent so, that, so they are not always an indication of God's will. God may lead us at times contrary to circumstances. We can also ask God to reveal his will by altering circumstances. God may occasionally confirm his guidance to us by means of a sign. However, asking for signs is a mark of spiritual immaturity, and we should grow out of this state as soon as possible. The Holy Spirit may speak to us through the advice of other believers, God other believers, God has made this provision as a safeguard against our missing his will. The advice of godly men will enable us to see other aspects of a particular matter which we may have failed to consider. There are some occasions when we should pay attention to the advice of godly men and some occasions when we ha may have to go against their advice. And in this chapter, particular chapter, was speaking on vocations and uh, jobs, seeking a job, uh, God's will on a job. God has a specific vocation for you. Your duty, our duty, is to fulfill that. Every believer, irrespective of his vocation, is called to be a full-time witness of the Lord Jesus. A young person seeking God's guidance about his vocation should seek to prepare himself for that which he is most suited in the absence of any indication from God to the contrary. When looking for a job, he should find out information concerning the needs of the Lord's work in different places. He should be in much prayer. And after consulting mature believers and considering his circumstances, he should finally be guided by the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. No person should go into full-time Christian service without a clear call from God. The calling of God is, is a dynamic thing. We must be willing to move with him into any new sphere of work as, he, as and when he calls. God permits perplexity in order that we may know him better. He also sifts our motives and strengthens our faith here, thereby. In most cases, we should move forward even when vague about God's will, provided we have ascertained the mind of the Spirit to the best of our knowledge, we should not wait indefinitely. We should not look back in regret over past failures or past decisions. We must never let either fear or danger or fear of making a mistake keep us in perpetual inaction. We should leave it to God as to how he guides us. Anyway, I would very much encourage 
anybody that has a chance to read this book, Finding God's Will, by Zach Poonin. Uh, I found it to be a very good, big blessing in my life, and uh, it explains some scriptures very, very well. Anyway, that's all I had. Thank you.